I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to The Bigger Picture, brought to you by the British Film Institute. I'm Henry. And I'm Anna. Anna, what's your special talent and is it a gift or a curse? Um, I'm going to say it's my freakishly good memory to the point where I will remember people's faces and things that they've said. And <laughs> that seems like basic social interaction. Rather you than say really that, but it's sometimes so <laughs> freakishly accurate that I have to pretend that I don't remember things so people don't freak out. So mostly I apply it to remembering names of films and directors and dates have of release. Have you done this to me? Yes, of course. I'm really freaked out now. Yeah, well, this is why I pretend like I don't remember things. Okay, we'll investigate this more later. (laughs) I ask because in this final episode of Series 2 of The Bigger Picture, we're going to talk about Maradona, the new film from Asif Kapadia, and after Senna and Amy the Third in a trilogy, the director has made about super talents crumbling under the weight of fame. But before that, Anna, what have you been watching? So because I've recently come back from Cannes Film Festival, did I say I went to Cannes? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, So I've kind of wanted to avoid watching too many films because I just watched so many, A, really, really great ones and just too many films in 10 days. So I went back to our good old friend, the streaming service that we all love and are in no way paid to promote. And I watched the Lonely Islands and Authorized Bash Brothers experience, which is billed as a visual poem by the American comedy troupe The Lonely Island, which famously includes Andy Samberg of Brooklyn Nine-Nine fame and so on and so forth. essentially a parody of the trend of musicians in particular of creating visual poems or visual albums or visual experiences which is uh, an extension of music videos and like Beyonce's of, Lemonade like Beyonce's Lemonade like Janelle Monáe's Pink there's a lot of examples of it lately you're talking to me like I'm 70 years old but I don't mind anyway why's the Lonely Island I'm not special? trying to but I know that you have not watched Beyonce's Homecoming I watched the first 10 minutes and I enjoyed it and then I fell asleep the fact that you fell asleep watching that piece of art it tells me everything I need to know. Anyway, The Lonely Island. The Lonely Island is hilarious. It's it's a parody. It's a musical parody as well, which is what they're great at. And effectively, it's two baseball brothers who have a 
side career as rappers. And it's sort of both mocking music mockumentaries and behind the steel style um, documentaries, like in the version of VH1 or MTV Behind the Music, mm-hmm. or even most recently, the Bross documentary on BBC, which everybody should watch. It's fantastic. And also the trend of visual albums by musicians. But this is just 30 minutes. It's a complete circuit breaker, I'd say, because it's visually a lot is happening in there. Like all of their set pieces are just so extremely over the top and thought out. And there's comedic elements and everything. The songs are actually, if you're into comedy rap, like I am... It's actually really funny. I can hear you sighing and the disappointment in your eyes is so judgmental. Um, (laughs) But if you're into comedy rap, it's enjoyable. And if you're going to hate it, it's only 30 minutes long. So everybody can spare 30 minutes in a day. I've hated for much longer in my life before. So that's fine. Speaking of circuit breakers, check this for a segue. I've been playing a video game where you get to play as a broken robot, a broken computer, and piece together your memory from bits of fragments of stuff that you're looking I'm, around I'm in sorry. the environment. I thought okay. you said play like a broken man, and I was thinking, why would you need a video game for uh, that? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so the game I'm playing is a game called Observation, and essentially it's 2001 A Space Odyssey, but you play how? So normally in these kind of games, you are the astronaut stranded in space who's talking a lot to a computer. In this case, you're the computer who's got a panicked astronaut telling you to do things, but because your memory's been wiped, you can't really remember how to put anything together. There is no sign of the other crew. It's just myself and Sam. Sam's systems are coming back online gradually as we restore power to what's left of the station. But that's the thing. Something has changed in Sam. I am different now. So you're fundamentally broken from the start and it's about rebuilding your memories from that experience. It's really good. It's quite, it's very filmic and people say that a lot about games when mm-hmm. they look nice but actually the kind of, the language of this kind of atmosphere has all been written in cinema. So 2001 Space Odyssey but also a bit of Duncan Jones's Moon in there as well. So that it's a really interesting game. Yeah, it's great. Houston, do you copy? Houston, come in. Josh. Elsa. Anyone, report in. The kind of key bit of it that feels kind of really moving is doing things with your hands that are kind of like minesweeper style games but as you do that parts of your memory flood back in so you're having this weird interaction as a human being playing a game where you're building memory and knowledge of playing a video game but at the same time the computer that you're playing is growing with you so uh, yeah observation Maradona going at them again Okay, there's the whistle. Let's kick off our chat about Maradona, as if Capadia's documentary follows Senna and Amy in delivering a one-two touch between triumph and tragedy. His subject this time is the Argentine football icon Diego Maradona, who Capadia presents as a dual personality. Diego, the sweet-natured kid whose genius lifted his family out of poverty, and Maradona, the superstar trapped by hero worship, drug addiction, and big money football. Maradona, 
Anna, how much did you know about Maradona coming into watching the documentary? Nothing. How much did you learn about Maradona having watched the documentary? (laughs) Probably not that much, and I don't think that's the point of the film. Okay. I think the question actually you should have asked me is, how much did you know about football before watching Diego Maradona? And the answer would also be nothing. Did that matter? No. And this is why I love the film so much. I obviously knew who Maradona was, but I knew him as the bloated has-been football superstar. Mm. I didn't know his story or the extent of his fame and repercussions on kind of the European international football industry. And I have no idea about football. And I was worried that I would not be able to engage with the film because of that. But it's completely the opposite and kind of this is all credit to Capadia's directorial vision in this sort of trilogy of Senna, Amy and now Diego Maradona. How much you know about them, about the subject matter, actually does not matter at all mm. because he finds a way in that is a lot more human and profound and completely does not necessitate any notions or kind of any pre-knowledge of the person or their field of work. Cuando vos entras a la cancha, se va la vida, se va todo. Diego nació en un lugar muy difícil, la parte más pobre de la ciudad capital. A mí la pelota era el juguete más lindo que había. Esa era mi salvación. No la fato Maradona, la fato Diego. Con Diego iría hasta el fin del mundo. Pero con Maradona... No daría un paso. So I, knowing nothing about football and knowing almost nothing about Maradona, I got a real sense of the human being and also the industry that he was operating in and the pressures at that time. Because what I found really interesting about this, that does take us through a sort of journey of Maradona's peaks and lows, but it does not fall into the very conventional trap of this is what he was like as a baby, as a child, and this is how he grew up, and these are all his people talking about him, and then it's not a rise and fall, it's the many rises and the many falls of this person, and it all centers, I think, on both the duality of Maradona as Diego, the person, and Maradona, the star. I think that's really interesting and we can talk a bit more about how he uses names in his films to separate kind of people who are at the top of their game and what that means as an individual and as a public persona. It allows Capadia to look at the certain things that made him who he was and not necessarily explain or justify decisions he made, but look at his relationship with the public as well Mm. through footage and um, conversation. So there's no talking heads in this documentary. It's all archive footage. Those are the tools that Capeta uses the best. He takes this vast amount of footage and he constructs something really specific because you can really see what he's trying to say about a particular person or a particular industry. It's never judgmental, but it is very, very concrete, I would say. Yeah, I think you're right that this kind of tells a story about fandom as well in the in the way that Amy and Senna didn't because Amy and Senna were quite isolated figures in their own way and Maradona 
the relationship with the fans is both the most visceral and terrifying thing about his time in the spotlight, right? Like, so he comes to Naples in the early 80s, I believe, and he is one of the key players that brings them up to eventually win the Italian Premier League. I don't know the terms, I'm sorry. But, um, don't look at me, mate. I have no, like, you're <laughs> just saying words. football amateurs doing our best. So he takes them to the top of their game and, and he becomes not even a national superstar. He becomes godlike. Like he yes. is used with pictures of, next to pictures of Jesus. Yeah. There's one woman who says he's more important than God yeah. in, you know, in Italy, an incredibly religious Catholic country. Mm-hmm. And, and a country that worships football as the yeah. national sport. It's, it's the, a religion in itself. Mm-hmm. And the pressure of that, the pressure of being what as someone calls him a demigod in that mm-hmm. local community is intense. And this film is very long. It's also very noisy. But as I watched it, I realized that's the point, right? Like we as the viewer are supposed to feel what it's like to be under that intense scrutiny. And also that just the sheer volume of adoration mm-hmm. and noise that the crowd is making for you all the time just watching it started to drive me a little bit like crazy and I can't imagine what it would have been like for him to be that person to be the kind of the physical embodiment of everybody's hopes and dreams all the time whereas when you watch Senna and Amy you know that they felt that pressure but it was more about them dealing with delivering their talent to the world in an isolated situation partly because Senna's in a Formula 1 race car mm-hmm. on his own Amy's in a recording studio mm-hmm. Maradona is always, always up against the noise and the bustle of the crowd and he can't escape it. We spoke about a version of this as well um, when we talk about A Star is Born. Mm. His connection with the audience is so direct and immediate. And if they flip, the flip is very noticeable instantly. And I found it fascinating when you were talking about him becoming a demigod in Italy. The thing as well that I found really profound in the documentary is the fact that he actually articulates it himself. Like he knew that he had to get the approval of the public in order to do well. So he had to work extra hard as a public figure in order to get them on side. Um, He was a foreigner in Italy. He's from Argentina. So he had that dual battle of it's not just about how good I am. They need to accept me as one of their own, as a representative of an Italian football club I have to be an Italian in a way so you know that involves and you see him kind of do interviews in Italian how his language skills get a little bit better how he talks about things how he talks about the place where he's living about the country all of these things he needs to get the public on side culturally Mm. as well as just through his work so there's an added element there that I don't think existed with Senna and Amy where he had to really actively work on his public persona and the turn that happens. These are two different countries with very strong national identities. And, you know, he's the pride of Argentina on one side and then he becomes the pride of Naples. And then when there's the World Cup. Uh, World Cup 1990. Okay. We're doing okay, I think. I don't know. (laughs) Um... Pete's giving us a wobbly hand. Massel Menos, he says. (laughs) (laughs) 90 degrees it's been, the contest between the last two winners, between the hosts and the holders. The feelings of the crowd for the Italian team have been made clear, and although Maradona is a king, maybe even a god in this neck of the woods, it's the Italian team that the home crowd here will be supporting. El cuarto penal va a ser ejecutado por Diego Armando Maradona. Allí está Maradona. 
Maradona, gol, gol argentino. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Maradona! That becomes a huge betrayal. Yeah. And that's the flip of the audience against him, where you're talking about he was a demigod, then he, he becomes the Antichrist. Yeah. And they use that sort of religious language as well. And what I love about the documentary is that in so many different films, you can see that sort of rise and fall in the public eye of someone who's famous and beloved and then becomes kind of chastised or rejected by their audience. But here you really feel it because of the way that everything is presented and edited. It's really suffocating. Interestingly, I think you can also see how Maradona wants it and doesn't want it at the same time because he works to get to that godlike approval status. And then because of his Diego you know, humanity and his own identity, this one decision and, you know, several other things that happen kind of completely shifts that relationship with the audience and you see him kind of suffering through it and kind of that ad that noisy adoration becomes this suffocating rejection. Yeah. And the way the Capedia presents it is really visceral, totally. which I thought was unbelievably effective in the film. There's also a really weird and very compelling parallel between him and Naples in that he's a kind of shantytown Buenos Aires boy who's come up. And many times in the film, he's described as black, which must be yeah. an Argentine thing that I'm missing out on because, you know, his complexion to me doesn't doesn't look particularly dark skinned, but he's like of a kind of social class, I guess, that is not accepted in that society. And Naples itself as a city in Italy at that time, and perhaps still is seen as the kind of dirty side of Italy, mm. the kind of north-south divide thing. And there's people chanting in the stands from Juventus saying like, you know, we hope you get cholera, You Naples people don't wash. And so he became a kind of underdog representative of an underdog city mm -hmm. and helped them show that they can be world beaters at the same time. And again, the pressure of that and the feeling that, first of all, you're elevating yourself out of poverty, but also you are kind of responsible for the whole socio-economic status of the city that you play as a sport for must have been an incredible amount of pressure and something that he really kind of felt the weight of, which explains the downfall in the second half of the film when he starts getting involved with uh, drugs and the mafia. 
fu una caduta senza precedenti. Yo quiero ser simplemente Maradona. Fútbol es el juego del engaño. Podía hacer nada contra la camorra. That's the time when everything starts to go wrong. Noté que no era Diego. Más y más. Era Maradona. The protection he had collapses. Informazione di garanzia per il giocatore del Napoli Maradona. I think the racial element of it that you mentioned is there. Like, in fact, in my notes when I watched the film, they call him racial slurs. And I think he is kind of rejected, not just because he's a foreigner. I think there's a lot of elements of xenophobia there as well mm. and not just racism of that he is a foreigner that's come to play. They've The football team has paid a lot of money for him. And I would say that, that his sort of involvement with drugs and too much partying and mafia, that was always there, which I found quite interesting. It's like it's not as easy a story as, oh, he was really great and wholesome and then he went to Italy yeah. and he discovered cocaine and women and all of a sudden he fell and kind of fell from grace. That was always happening and it's presented as such, you know, that was always a part of him. But there is an element as well of aging because both this and, um, you know, comparatively with Amy, who obviously died really young, and Senna, there is a physical peak for these artists and these performers. And Mar and obviously with athletes like Maradona, there's there is an actual limitation to what they can physically yeah. do after a certain point. And he was also severely injured at certain points in his like early on in his career and stuff. So he had to deal with that as well. So there's a thing there of just he starts aging and then he starts gaining weight. He cannot, you know, get over the hangovers as easily. So his decline is physical as well as very much public. That's true. Yeah. The comparison I really like with, between this film, Senna and Amy, is that this idea that, and I might be going off on the hippie trail here and pull me back if I go too far, but like how much of this abuse of people who are talented is down to kind of global capitalism and the industry around them right because obviously football mm. is a massive industry the music yeah. industry is a huge money earner yeah. for various people as is formula one mm -hmm. all of these people are supremely gifted people mm -hmm. who are then forced into a mold that an industry builds for them and their talent is not so much expected from them as required and yeah. that There's many points in the film where Maradona says, I just want to quit Naples. It's too much pressure and I need to go. But mm -hmm. the president of the football club won't let him. In Amy, you see the music industry essentially like wring her out dry, mm -hmm. use all her talent and then just leave her to it with the drugs and the alcohol. And then Senna had many, many concerns about safety in Formula One, which the documentary shows, but nobody really listened to him. And it's terrifying and sad and also kind of predictable that these mm -hmm. talents they're not nurtured after a point where their kind of talent is realized if you see what i mean so once you're the success story there is nothing left for the industry to take from you except more of the same so if you want to quit you can't and you're just kind of thrown into this whirlwind of mm -hmm. um, constant reproduction of the success and you're right when particularly with athletes you can't keep reproducing mm -hmm. that it's not realistic and i interviewed asif kapadia once about amy and he said what she needed was for an album or a performance to go really badly mm -hmm. and she needed the record industry to realize that she wasn't a solid gold hit deliverer all the time and that 
in an environment free of drugs and alcohol, she could have learned from that failure and then done something a little more measured and something that wasn't quite so superstar brilliant all the time. And it, you feel sometimes that Maradona, if he hadn't been quite so talented, if he'd just been a very, very, very good footballer, the pressure would have been much less. I, he could have just delivered at a reasonable rate, had a few failures now and then. But when you're a god, you're not allowed to be fallible. So well, Maradona it's... is never allowed to miss, really, or not win for Naples, or not be the kind of shining great superstar that people and the mafia expect him to be. That's the running thread between Capadia's documentaries and con on these iconic figures. It's all about the cost of greatness, both the human cost yeah. for them as individuals, but also looking much wider about how they're basically wrung down and used and then discarded. And I would say it's not just by the industrial complex around them, be that music or Formula One or football. It's also by the audience. The audience turns so quickly on anyone that they adore and elevate to a godlike status and then they completely bring down. And there is, you see that a lot in a much, much starker way in Maradona because of all of the... Um, archive footage of television and, you know, Italian television of the time speaking to audiences and to members of the public and them just going from, he is a god, we needed him, he is our pride and joy to he is a devil and I hope he, you mm -hmm. know, he dies and rots in hell and things like that. So the vitriol of audiences when they turn against someone, I think it's just as powerful as the industry using them. Yeah. Anna, I've got a lofty theory. Ooh. Can I sling it your way? Okay. All right. My lofty theory just popped into my head. As a religious person, I assume I'm not one. You can't say that God has disappointed you, right? Like God is always all-knowing, all-powerful, and he can never fail. So when someone elevates or is elevated to demigod status and they do fail, you can take out your religious anger against God on that so person. So these people become like proxies for God, so you can proxies take out your frustration. But a God you're God? allowed to hate. I love it. Okay. Great. Thank you. Well done. Cheers. I think there is a difference between being good and being great. Yeah. And also these characters, you know, and Maradona specifically, they need to want to be great. They're not people who are going to be content with being okay and yeah. being good and having a nice house. No, they want to have the big ass mansion. They want to be at the top and they will push themselves, supported and encouraged by both the industry behind them and the audience. Both the industry and the audience lulls them and seduces them into thinking that that will last a long time. Yeah. As opposed to, the, we need you now, but we will forget about you instantly as soon as you are no longer useful. So that's the thing that does repeat itself. And I did think that with the documentary, there is a very distinct separation between Diego the man and Maradona the person. And sometimes you, you can literally see in all of the archive footage, there's moments where on his face and it's grainy TV footage, most of it. You can see when it's the person and when it's the superstar. God, yeah. You really, really yeah. can. I think that's the power of Capadia as the director, yeah. is that he will find those moments of humanity in this wishy-washy footage that was not meant to be capturing something real. Yeah. It was just meant to be filming compulsively because people just wanted to see this god or this demigod. And a lot of a film is made in the editing room. And that's the power of Capadia's documentaries is that he takes this huge chunk of footage that was discarded for years. Like who wants to watch 20 hours of paparazzi images of Maradona coming out of a car or going to his house? Or who wants to watch all of the, the weird fluffy interviews that he did with Italian TV in his time in Naples? But he finds these key moments that um, help illustrate the person behind 
Maradona, and I'm doing air quotes here. Obviously, there's kind of voice interviews with Maradona himself and a few of his kind of key family members, friends and collaborators. And there was a thing that I noted when I saw the film was that he said that Diego doesn't have anything to do with Maradona, but Maradona drags Diego behind him Mm. all the time. So even he kind of was very conscious of the separation of people. And it's when they start merging and blurring is when he gets into trouble. Yeah. There's an amazing scene where he's in the change room with his teammates and they're all, you just won a title and they're all kind of semi-naked and chanting, but they're singing a song about him. And he's like, Maradona is a god, Maradona is a genius. And he's singing it as if it's not about him. Like there's a real disassociation between him the player and the godlike genius. And just another scene that really will stay with me. In the Amy documentary, there's the scene where she tries to go on holiday to get away from the cameras and her dad, Mitch, brings a camera crew to interview her while she's on holiday. And the cameras capture her kind of heartbreak that her dad has brought the public world into her private space. In this film, Maradona, there's a scene where he's coming back from the world, the first World Cup that they won in 1986, I think. And Pete's giving me a thumbs up. They're coming through the airport at Naples and um, he's holding the World Cup and fans are crowding in. The police are trying to hold them back. And he's simultaneously looking happy and the most scared I've ever seen anyone look. And it's the split line, the fissure between his public and private life then is just evidently on show. And that's you're right, that's where Capadio is a real amazing documentary filmmaker is that he just shows you these moments that he's been leading up to for the last hour and a half and i had trouble sleeping last night partly because of my toddler also because of that scene where i just saw this guy stuck in this maelstrom of celebrity and fame and adoration and not sure how to get out of it if he can get out of it and that is just scary as all hell it's re- i i completely agree with you that's kind of how i the feeling that stuck with me after i watched the film as well and just kind of to make a note as well it's very common to see these sort of trapped by celebrity really vulnerable stars when they're female i found it really really interesting and really touching to see someone who is you know kind of embodies this very alpha male Latin American kind of version of masculinity and is an athlete. So he's like physically incredibly capable and is very affable and very charming and kind of is a party animal as well on the side and kind of knows how to engage thousands and thousands of people and a whole nation. But there are these real moments of vulnerability, like you were just describing, and the fact that they're so visible and so visceral, I thought was a really interesting commentary. And then there's footage of Maradona much older when he, you know, is doing all of these trashy talk shows and talking a lot more about his personal life and his drug problems and things like that. And he cries on screen and he presents himself as very, very vulnerable. And I thought that was quite touching. I thought it was very much the Diego part of him that was a little boy trying to provide for his mother in many ways. Mm. That kind of very vulnerable masculinity and the very alpha male version of it that is presented to the audience and that the public adores, I thought was a really interesting duality as well in the film. From Godlike Genius to plain old podcasting, that's full time for this episode and the second series of The Bigger Picture, brought to you by the BFI. We're taking a break in June and we'll be back with Series 3 in July. Maradona, directed by Asif Kapadia, has a preview at the BFI South Bank on Thursday the 13th of June and Kapadia himself will be there for a Q&A after the screening. The film's on general release in the UK from Friday the 14th of June. Get in touch with us while we're on our summer holidays. I'm on Twitter at Henry H. Barnes and Anna is on... Anna B. Demented. 
Our mixing desk is touched by the hand of God, aka producer Peter Sale. More of Pete's work at petersale.co.uk. Finally, apologies to those waiting for our chat about John Wick 3. We'll talk about it next time. Back soon. In the meantime, your last line this time comes from Asif Kapadia's Maradona and sums up the bigger picture nicely. A little bit of cheating, a lot of genius. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.